house of miracles. Praise God. <laughs> oh, he's good, isn't he? Jerry, I forgot those um, envelopes. Thanks. And we believe in miracles, don't we? And we're going to pray over these uh, prayer requests. These are different ones that are sent in through the website, through the prayer request box, and uh, through the email. Different prayer requests that people have for their family, for uh, healing, for missionaries, for marriages, for finances, for salvation, for loved ones, all kinds of different things. So let's just, since we do believe in miracles, let's extend our hands and our faith toward these prayers uh, requests that people have submitted. And Father, we just thank you so much that you are working in these situations, that you are working in families, that you're working in marriages. I thank you, Father, that lives are being turned around, situations are being turned around. I thank you that health and healing is coming to these individuals. Father, I thank you that marriages, Father, are being ministered to by the Holy Spirit, that we're learning to walk in love, that situations are changing because of the Spirit and the wisdom that is brought forth. I thank you for health and healing in bodies. I rebuke every kind of sickness and disease that would attack our bodies. And Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over them. We plead the blood of Jesus over our mind and our bodies. And we thank you for health and healing, but we thank you for protection. We thank you, Father, for every person who has required and asked for protection because of their line of work or their situation. Father, we thank you that you protect them and that you keep them because of the blood. We thank you that health and healing healing flow to these individuals. And Father, we thank you for finances coming in the name of Jesus, that you take pleasure in prospering your servants. And so Father, we thank you for doors opening for finances. We thank you, Lord, oh Father, for these needs being met in the name of Jesus. We extend our faith and our belief with them, Father, and we thank you that it is done because of the blood. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, it's a good day. <laughs> good day. Well, we are going to bring the word. Thank you to our worship team. I'm so sorry that I cut off your song. We'll do the full version in the second service if you want to stay for that. So, <laughs> But thank you. Aren't they great all the time? <laughs> they really are. <laughs> Well, Pastor Mark this morning is uh, in Madison, Wisconsin. His uncle is turning 100 today. So, I mean, isn't that awesome? Happy birthday, Uncle Doyle. <laughs> he is turning 100. Mark's dad is 90, and he's the little brother. And so, he and all of his family have gone up there to celebrate with Uncle Doyle, and so it's a great day for them. But it's a great day for us, too, because we are going to receive the word today, and every time that we do, it is powerful. It contains power to help us, to change us, to rearrange us, and to renew us. And so we're going to do that today. So why don't you go ahead and just one more time, tell somebody, maybe that you didn't tell, uh, maybe on the other side of you, you know, you talk to that person, now tell the other person that you're glad that they are here today. All right, 
So we're continuing with foundations. You know, our foundation is so very important. And we know this, but uh, I'm going to talk about the foundation of the word in our life this morning. I'm going to talk about the word. You know, from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is one book. But it's one book that is put together from 66 books. 66 books in the Bible. And it's not disconnected. Everything goes together. Everything fits perfectly. And it fits perfectly because God wrote it. I mean, over the years, and let me tell you just a few things about it. The Bible is one book made up of 66 books written by at least 40 different authors over 1,600 years in 13 different countries on three different continents. Can you believe that? I mean, who could do such a thing? It's a remarkable book. But we know that the Bible is not just words in a book. This book is alive. It's full of power. This book is the book that contains all of God's thoughts and his plans for his children. And so when we see this book, it's not just a book. In fact, it's the most published book in the whole world. It's the most translated book in the whole world. There's a reason why this book is in nightstands, in hotels, everywhere, because this book is powerful. And this book is a foundation that we can build a life that lasts. And God wrote these words for us, not so that we would have them for a time. They're not just for a moment, although they are for a moment. They're for all time. They're for every person in every generation. And so when we open this book, we understand that there's something that's different about it than any other book. It's remarkable. Its author is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's powerful. And so as we open this book this morning, let's just set our hearts in prayer to receive what the Holy Spirit has for us today from this word. Father, we just thank you so much for your word that is alive. It's powerful. It's so powerful. It contains the power to change us, to transform us into your image. And Father, as we open this book today, we thank you that it's going to speak to us. We'll not just read your word, your word will, will read our hearts, and it will cause us to come higher today. We thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit ministering in this place and in this room, talking to each and every one of us right where we are today. I thank you for it, Lord, that we'll go higher today, that we'll go farther in your plan, that we'll grow, that we'll understand new things, that you'll bring us light from this word. I thank you, Father. Oh, that you're doing great things this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we receive it. So the Holy Spirit is working. And let me read to you out of 1 Peter 1, This is the ESV version. It says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now we said that it had so many different authors, the word did, so many different authors and so many different people brought together, but where did it come from? It was the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the great author of this book. So the Bible is more than just a book or a document, it's the word of God and it is the truth. In fact, Jesus said in John 17, 17, he said this, he said, sanctify them, purify, consecrate, 
separate them for yourself. Make them holy by the truth. And then Jesus said this, your word is truth. You know, it's a foundation that we can build our life on because the word is truth. And there are many facts in the world and facts will change. You'll see facts in the newspaper that change one day to the next day to the next. You know, facts change, but truth does not change. And this is the truth. It's the truth that God wrote down for us so that we could have it from generation to generation. And this truth, when we apply it, will actually change the natural facts in our life. It's powerful. So then Psalm 19.7 out of the ESV version, it reads this way. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. You ever need wisdom? Well, this is where we go. We go to the word of God. And it says the word of God is perfect, reviving the soul. It doesn't say it's, you know, it's almost there. It's a really good book. It's mostly perfect. No, it is perfect. It is perfect. There is not a flaw. And that's part of the foundation of, that we build our life on, that the word, is, it has no error. It is from God, that it is the truth. It's the inerring, I don't know that word, inerring word of God. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> so uh, here's something else. There are over 300 precise prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus, and they are all fulfilled in the New Testament. Who could have done that? Except God. God said it, and he said it, that it might be fulfilled. You know, when you read the book of Matthew, you'll read that phrase over and over and over again. It was spoken that it might be fulfilled. It was spoken that it might be fulfilled. God said some stuff, and he said it on purpose, and he said it because he intended for it to be done. Numbers 23.19 says this. It says, God is not a man that he should tell or act a lie, neither the son of man that he should feel repentance or compunction for what he has promised. Has he said it and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken and shall he not make it good? You know, that's a promise to us. Every thing that God has said in his word, he intended that it be accomplished. He intended that it would come to pass. God never sends out an idle word. God never sends out a word that does not contain power for fulfillment. It's in the word of God. Matthew 7.24 tells us this. It says, so everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them, obeying them, will be like a sensible, prudent, practical, wise man who built his house upon the rock. Who built his house upon the rock. You know, that's a good place to build a foundation. <laughs> so we can make God's word the foundation of our life. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about how we do that. And we're going to talk specifically about two things. We make God's word the foundation of our life by believing it, number one, and by speaking it, number two. So you could say it this way, too. You could say, renewing our mind, believing the word of God, and our confession, speaking the word of God. And we're going to talk about those today. 
First, or 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us this, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So God's word is given to us, not just a word at the moment, but it's an everlasting word. And what does it do for us? It reproves us, it corrects us, it instructs us, and it leads us in the way of righteousness. And righteousness is not just you know doing right or being good. It's God's way of being right. It's making or justifying our life to his word. And so when we believe and we speak, we begin to put that process into motion. The word reproves us, it corrects us, it helps us. So uh, Brother Hagen said this, he said the door to the supernatural swings on two hinges. Those two hinges are believing and speaking. Now, we all want the supernatural in our life, but what makes a door move? What makes a door open? Well, it's the hinges, believing and speaking. So apparently, they're pretty important to the process of the supernatural working out in our life. Mark Hankins said this. He said, it was spoken so it could be written so it could be spoken. <laughs> I like that. And it's very simple, but it's very true. It was spoken so it could be written so it could be spoken because God intends for his word to be fulfilled. So God gave his word and here's what Hebrews says about it in Hebrews 4.12. Now we're going to look at a lot of scriptures and you can write them down or you can you know, go back and, and, and look at them later. We're going to kind of go through a lot of them, but they're important. We need to know that the word is our sure and firm foundation. So Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. I love how the Amplified says that. It shows us that the word is working. You know, it's like when you pour a 7-Up into a, a glass and it's just bubbling and bubbling. It's active. There's something happening in there. The word is active. It's operative. It's energizing. And then it goes on and it says, it's sharper than any two-edged sword penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life and the immortal spirit of joints and of marrow and of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of our heart. You know, I love that scripture. God's word is alive. It's living. The Holy Spirit is in the word. He's on the word. And why is it that we can count on the fact that he will never, ever, ever leave us or forsake us? Because he gave us his word and he lives on the inside of us and that word lives on the inside of us and he is ever present with us. He never, ever leaves us. So, let's see. Uh, Renewing our mind. Let's talk about what it is. You know, when we renew our mind to the word of God, we are putting the word of God into our mind. We're reading it, and we understand that. But to renew means to replace as well. It means to replace. And we begin a process of replacing our thoughts with God's thoughts and displacing the bad thoughts and bringing in the word of God. You know, Luke 1.37 says this, For with God nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. You know, that was the word that was spoken when Mary received Jesus on the inside of her. That's an impossibility. <laughs> but nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible with the word. Nothing. 
And when God said it, God intends on doing it. He's not a man that he should lie. He didn't give those words one time. He gave them for all of us forever. So when we renew our minds to the word of God and we begin to put his thoughts into our heart, well, Romans tells us something takes place. And it's Romans 12, 2. You can go over there if you want to while I take a drink. Tell it's going to be like a two or three bottle day. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> Romans 12:2 says this: Do not be conformed to the world, to this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed. We can be conformed or we can be transformed. Be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind. How does transformation take place? It takes place by the entire renewal of our mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. You know, I love reading that last part because we understand transformation but he says this, he says, be transformed by the renewing of our mind and you as an individual get to experience what God has planned for you as you renew your mind to the word of God. It's very individual. So we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, taking on God's way of thinking. And it's really making his thoughts our thoughts. And that word transformed is the same word metamorphosis. You know, it's the process that the, the caterpillar goes through to become the butterfly. And when the caterpillar is all fat and, and in the dark place, stuff is happening. It's happening on the inside. <laughs> and he emerges this beautiful butterfly, right? That's metamorphosis. And that's the process that the word does. Sometimes we are looking to the outside, but the process of change takes place on the inside. As we put the word of God into our mind, it doesn't just stay in our mind. It doesn't just become our thoughts. It literally becomes a part of us. The DNA of God is received into our system through the word of God. And when we take the word of God in, it does come through the gateway of our mind, but it drops into our heart. It drops into our heart and it begins a transformation process, transforming us into the person that we are supposed to be so that the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you begins to emerge. So that change takes place in the secret place. And it's not just reading the word or reading a self-improvement book so that we can be better at something, so that I can be better at loving people, so I can be better at, you know, uh, uh, business, or I can be better at being a mom. No, this book transforms me into the person that God created me to be. So it's really more than any other book can do. And it, we don't just read the word so that we can feel good about ourselves. <laughs> but we will feel good about ourselves once we start becoming who God created us to be. We're being transformed. And I love how this says, too, uh, be transformed or changed by the entire renewal of your mind. 
It's a process. It leads us to know that it's a process. It doesn't just happen one day reading the word. It's a process of reading and reading and reading and putting it into my mind and renewing my mind to the word so that I think like God thinks. Those thoughts are being replaced in my heart with the thoughts of God. Transformation takes place in the heart. And God really gave us renewing of our mind so that we could overcome. So that we could overcome ourselves. We could overcome our flesh. We could overcome sin. We could overcome the devil. We could overcome the world. God gave us renewing our mind as a tool to overcome. He wants us to. And that's why it was written or it was spoken so it could be written so it could be spoken. God gave us this word for all time. So I was thinking about this, you know, in the world, uh, and, you know, if you've ever restored any kind of piece of furniture or maybe a building or something like that, if you've restored anything, the, the restoration process takes place from the outside in. And you start with the outside layers, you know, sanding off paint or sanding off varnish or all of that, and it takes place from the outside in. But the restoration of a human takes place differently. It goes from the inside out. From the inside out. So you may not even see something happening on the outside. Not for a while. You might not know what's taking place. But in the secret place, that word is working. It's working in our heart. It's working on the inside of us. It's working in the spirit. And it goes from the inside out. And you know, God planned it that way. He says that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. And he works in our spirit. Everything he does comes from our spirit. So when we're looking for a change on the outside, the place where we need to focus is the inside. We need to focus on our spirit. Everything God does flows from our spirit. It flows from that place. That's where he is working and moving. Everything flows from our spirit. Yes, our mind receives the word, but it becomes what we do. It becomes how we think. It becomes who we are. And then it shows up on the outside. So the foundation of renewing our mind is a very important part of our growth process. It's an important part of us becoming who God created us to be. You know, as I was thinking about this, Abraham, what did God tell Abraham? He said uh, a bunch of promises to Abraham. He told him that he would be the father of many nations. He told him that uh, he would be blessed to be a blessing. But where did God start in bringing that to pass? Well, he had Abraham change the way he was talking, and he had Abraham praise him and receive his words. And when Abraham got God's words in his heart and he started talking like God, then it says he became something. He became the father of many nations. Well, he was always called to be that, but how did he become that? He had to receive the thoughts of God. He had to put something different in his heart. He couldn't look to who he thought he was or his circumstance. He had to receive the thoughts of God. 3 John 1-2 tells us this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way and that your body may keep well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. One translation says it this way. It says, Beloved, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So as we look at that, where does prosperity and health come from? Well, it comes from the soul prospering. 
When the soul prospers, prosperity and health are in the natural outflow. They're the natural thing that happens. And we don't even have to make prosperity happen. We don't have to make health happen. They're the natural outflow of us prospering our soul. It happens in the spirit, and then it comes working out into the body. And you know, sometimes we just fight and struggle over what we know we're supposed to have. And so, you know, we, we're fighting and struggling for it. But if we just keep putting the word in, and we keep putting the word in, and step by step by step, we keep putting the word in, we'll notice that our life is changing. It goes on and it says this in verse 3. It says, In fact, I greatly rejoiced when some of the brethren from time to time arrived and spoke so highly of the sincerity and fidelity of your life, as indeed you do live in the truth. What's the goal of renewing our mind? That we live in the truth. God's word is the truth, right? It's the truth. We read that. Jesus said it. Those were his words. In your Bible, it was probably read. (laughs) (laughs) it's the truth so he says I love it when I hear that you're living in the truth verse 4 says this I have no greater joy than this to hear that my spiritual children are living their lives in the truth your mind is becoming renewed when the word changes your actions and lifestyles and it has become home in your heart that's my part I wrote that (laughs) (laughs) Your, although I put it in with my scripture, I don't know. Your mind is becoming renewed when the word changes your actions and it has a home in your heart. That's the word having a home in your heart when we live in the truth. So God doesn't want us to just have moments of victory. He doesn't want us to just have a few good days. He wants us to live in the truth. Living in the truth. Now here's another thought. Renewing our mind is our greatest defense against the devil. (laughs) Psalm 119.105 says this, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. See, the more light that we walk in, the more darkness is dispelled. What happens when you light one match in a dark room? Darkness flees and light becomes the focus. And here, when we uh, walk according to God's word, step by step, and I said sometimes we're trying to make it happen, make it happen, make it happen, but what do we do? We take one step into his word, we renew our mind. One step into his word, we're renewing our mind. One step in, and pretty soon, our path is bright. Our path is lit. We're ready. We can go anywhere. We can see clearly. We can see things that are trying to hinder us. But you know, the devil doesn't want us to uh, have the word and to renew our mind to the word. He'll keep us busy because he knows that if he can keep us in darkness, you know, isn't it funny too that um, in the word, darkness and ignorance are synonymous? (laughs) Darkness and ignorance are synonymous. They're used interchangeably. So... If he can keep us in darkness, he keeps us in ignorance. But God says, I want you to know what I said. And when you take what my thoughts are, he said, your path is going to grow bright. It's going to get lighter and lighter. Hosea said this. He said, God's people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge. You know, sometimes we have the answer right in front of us. We just don't understand that this is our answer and we're looking looking for it everywhere else. This is our answer. 
So let's talk about confession a little bit. Confession means to say the same thing as. It means to be in agreement. It means to be speaking with our mouth something that we agree wholeheartedly with. So when we have a confession that is the word of God, we are actually just speaking what we've been putting into our heart. So that word we've been putting into our heart, now the most natural step is for it to begin to come out of our mouth. And when God is saying things about us, and it comes out of our mouth, our faith attaches to it, and we begin to plant and release that powerful word of God in our life with our confession. So our confession is really important. When our mind is renewed, confession is the next natural step. Luke 6.45 says this, Out of the abundance or the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance and the overflow of the heart, our mouth speaks. So what's in our heart? Well, we can tell what's in our heart in an abundance. You know, it's easy to have a great confession while we're in church. How's it going today? Wonderful! I am the blessed of the Lord. I am healed. I'm whole. I'm prosperous. I'm having a great day. <laughs> but then what about when we get into the car, when we get on Monday morning, when Wednesday comes around, when the week is long, and are we still keeping that confession, right? If it's in us, then we are. Good, I'm glad. <laughs> and here's something else about our confession. We don't confess to get things. When we read that scripture, out of the abundance or the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks, we don't confess the word of God to get things. Have you ever encountered that? And it's very annoying when somebody is just confessing, confessing, thinking that that is going to get them something. No, we don't confess to get things. We confess what we are in agreement with, what is outflowing from our heart, what we are full of. That's what becomes our confession. We confess the word so that we can come into the full understanding of who God made us. We confess the word because it's in us so much that we can't hold it back. Do you remember Jeremiah when he said that your word was like a fire burning inside me and I grew weary of holding it in? I had to let it out. It was like fire shut up in my bones. He was talking and speaking the word of God because it was so big in his heart. When we renew our mind, the word begins to fill us and it's the next natural thing for it to come out of our mouth. We're not confessing and finding scriptures to say over ourselves so we can have something. <laughs> We're confessing who we are because we have an understanding of who God made us. There's a big difference. There's a really big difference. Romans 10, 17 says this. It says, so faith comes by hearing what is told, and what is heard comes by the preaching of the message that came from the lips of Christ the Messiah himself. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And you know, Brother Hagin said this, he said, we can school ourselves into faith through our confession. Well, how? Because we're hearing the word of God. Because the word of God has now been planted in my heart and it's coming out of my mouth and it reminds me all the time, all day long as I'm confessing it, it reminds me who I am and I can literally school myself into faith. I love that. 
So I don't have to have a teacher come to me. The teacher lives on the inside of me. It's the word. (laughs) Our confession attaches our faith to the work of Christ so that everything that was purchased for us uh, is working together. We put the word in of what he did and now it comes out of our mouth and we put the word in and it comes out of our mouth. And what does Isaiah tell us? It says that his word does not return void, but it will accomplish that which is sent forth to do. So I love this. If a circumstance comes, if a struggle comes, if an attack comes and I know who I am, I handle it differently. If I don't know who I am, if I don't know my boundaries, then I might take a step back and I might go, hmm, I wonder, wonder what's going on here. But if I know who I am, then I handle it differently. You know, I was thinking about this this morning as I was getting ready. It's kind of a bad story and I probably shouldn't tell it. <laughs> but you know me. <laughs> okay, anyway, so I was thinking about this. <laughs> we had gone to Disney World with our kids, and we were in Orlando, and um, so, (laughs) it's kind of bad about me. Anyway, um, we had gone to Orlando, and we were waiting in lines all day, every day, and I was just so stinking sick of lines. I was just like, ugh, another line. So we were in the Orlando airport, and there was a line to get food, and so we were in the line, and uh, this lady came up, and she goes, right in front of me, And I thought, I looked around at Mark and my kids, and I'm like, um, hello. And I think that she heard me because she said to the man in front of me, she tapped him, and she goes, I know you were in line. And then she turned around to me, and she said, and I know you weren't in line. And I stood up, and I went, I knew that I am in line. I mean, it was like something rose up on the inside of me. And my husband had to step between us. I mean, it got a little bit heated. <laughs> he told me to go sit at the table. I <laughs> but I had this boldness rise up because I'm like, I know that I was in line. I know that I was in line. I was in line. I kept telling my husband. <laughs> he said, not only did I know I was in line, she knew I was in line. Anyway. When you know something about yourself, there's a boldness that rises up. There's a confidence that rises up. You know, it's totally contrary to my personality normally. I don't have any kind of confrontation. I blame it on Disney World. (laughs) It was just so stressful. Anyway... (laughs) But I stood up. I'm like, I know I was. And you know, when we renew our mind to the word of God, there's something that builds in us. We know who we are. And when the enemy comes with a struggle, with a sickness, with a circumstance, with something that is not us, we stand up and go, no, I know who I am. I know I was in line. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) There's a confidence and a boldness because we know who God made us. And not only do we know who God made us in our heart, we've been saying it out of our mouth. We know. We are established in that. That's our foundation. You know, it's a bad time to fix your boat when you are out on the lake. (laughs) But that's what we do with our life of faith sometimes. 
We wait until we encounter a situation to start repairing and going, where did I go wrong? What's happening? How is this let in? Well, wait, wait a minute. We need to stop the bleeding. <laughs> we need to stop the water. No, actually, it's better to fix your boat before you get out into a situation where you're on the lake. Because it's hard. It's hard when you're in the middle of it to try and fix your boat. But our confession and renewing our mind is actually plugging up all the holes. It's plugging up. It's building us. It's making a foundation. You don't lay the foundation for a house after you've built the structure. How awkward is that? <laughs> That's hard. But what you do is you build the foundation, and then the life is built upon it. We build the foundation with our renewing our mind and our confession. And it's really foundational. So it happens before the attack. So when the attack comes, we have the stance, oh, wait a minute, sickness? That's not who I am. I am the healed of the Lord. God healed me. He healed me on the cross. When was I healed? When I received Jesus as my Savior, I was saved. That means healed, delivered, prospered, preserved, and made whole. He took care of every one of my needs. He went before me before I ever had a need. He knew a need I might encounter. He covered it. He gave it to me in my salvation. That's who I am. I know it because the Word says it. I know it because I confess that over my life every day, that I am healed. I am blessed. I am whole. I have joy. I confess that over my life. And now enemy you're trying to tell me that I am not healed I don't think so <laughs> we approach it differently because we know who we are we approach it differently have you ever tried to t uh, talk to a toddler when they're learning their name and uh, you you ask them or a child and you say um, is your name Frank and they go no John is your name Fred? No, John. I mean, it's like they'll come back and they'll get adamant and bold. They're like, don't tell me I'm not John. I'm John. <laughs> but that's the kind of tenacity we have to have with the devil. But that's what renewing our mind and our confession brings. I want to go over to a scripture, and it's Psalm 81. This is a great one. We are not sick people trying to get well. We are healed people that the enemy has attacked. We are not poor people trying to get rich. We are blessed people that the enemy has stolen from. We are not depressed people trying to get joy. God has given us joy. And the enemy has tried to put a circumstance to steal that away from us. See, it matters how we think about ourselves, And when we confess the word and we renew our mind to the word, we understand who we are. We understand that the gates of hell might try and push up against me, but the gates of hell can, hail cannot prevail. <laughs> as long as I know who I am in Christ. <laughs> All right, wow, that was really good. Okay. <laughs> so, Psalm 81. This is a beautiful psalm. It's so good. 
And uh, it actually says this, Honey in the Rock, there's such a beautiful song that's out right now, and, and it made me go to this psalm. It's by Brooke Ligerwood and uh, Brandon Lake, and it's called Honey in the Rock. And so I encourage you to listen to it. It's really good. But we'll start in verse 8 of Psalm 81, and it says this. It says, Hear, O my people, and I will admonish you, O Israel, if you would listen to me. If you would listen to me. Oh, man, that's a major point. If you would listen to me. Because we have a lot of opportunities to listen to a lot of people, a lot of things. We can listen to symptoms. We can listen to our checkbook. Yes, it speaks. We can listen to all kinds of different things. But God says, if you would listen to me. There shall no strange God be among you, neither shall you worship any alien God. For I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open wide your mouth, and I will fill it. Oh man, what a scripture. He says, I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Egypt represents you know, for them, it was literal slavery. But for us, it represents slavery and sin and our past. And when he brought them out of Egypt, how did he bring them out? He brought them out whole. Their clothes never wore out. They had food that was supplied for them from heaven. He met every single one of their needs. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. That was God's part. God, only God could do that. And God said he would do it, and he did it. But then he tells them this. He says, open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. Now I know, there's some people going, I can do that. I've been doing that my whole life. People have been telling me to not open my mouth, but I can do that. I was born for this day. <laughs> Open your mouth wide. And what does wide mean? Well, it means have an expectation. It means open your mouth with your desires, with, with all of the things that I have said to you, with the word. Open your, I'm the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. He told them so many things that they would inherit and that they would receive when they followed him. But they had to understand who they were. You know, God's speaking now to a people who've been in slavery for 430 years. Do you think that they had some mindsets to overcome? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Do you think that they had some thoughts about who they were or what they were because of 400 years of slavery? Oh, yeah. And God says, I want you now to begin to open wide your mouth and I will fill it. So evidently, what we say is a large part of what we receive. And what is it, Alan? Help me out. Uh, God wants his people to, but we've been saying what we have. Say it. I'm putting him on the spot. God said we can have what we say, but we keep saying what we already have. Yeah. So God says, open wide your mouth and I will fill it. But this is the next verse. But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would have none of me. Wow. So I gave them up to their own hearts, to the lusts, and I let them go after their own stubborn will, that they might follow their own counsels. 
When we say that we build our life on the word of God, that this is our foundation, this is the counsel of God. God gave us this so that we can build a life that is full and rich and full of expectation and everything that Jesus provided for us. But we have to listen. Having what God wants for us will always involve listening to the Holy Spirit. Always. So then he says this in verse 13. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. Speedily then I would subdue their enemies and I would turn my hand against their adversaries. Had Israel listened to me in Egypt, then those who hated the Lord would have come cringing before him and their defeat would have lasted forever. God would feed Israel now with the finest of the wheat and with honey out of the rock. I would satisfy you. I love that. God says, I want to satisfy you. I want to bring you into a good place. I want to give you an upgrade. But you have to receive the upgrade. And part of receiving the upgrade means that you open wide your mouth so I can fill it. You open wide your mouth with the word of God. You open wide your mouth with the expectation of God. You open wide your mouth with what you're looking for in the future. What are we asking for? What are we believing for? What has God said to us as a family, as a church, as a nation, as a... a, a uh, in our marriage, what has God said to us and what are we opening our mouth to? What are we saying? Is it worry? Is it doubt? Is it complaint? Is it faith? What are we saying? Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. Life and death are in the power of our words. That we can connect to life or we can connect to death. And God wants us to open wide our mouth so that he can fill it. There's a foundation of truth in this word of God. And when we begin to speak it over our life, God wants to satisfy us, satisfy us with the best. What is the finest of wheat? Oh, it's the best. What is honey out of the rock? They said it was the purest, sweetest honey that was ever. It wasn't yellow, it was white. It was white. It was pure and satisfying. God wants to satisfy our lives, but what we put into our mind and what we let come out of our mouth is key. In fact, uh, Matthew 15, 17 says this. It says, do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and it's eliminated, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. It's what comes out of our mouth that will lead us into the prosperity of God or will lead us into defeat. We've got to consider what's coming out of our mouth. Confession, this is a huge part of our foundation. So we can have what we ask for. And, and actually, I forgot to bring it this morning, but I was reading after a couple of rabbis who took this very scripture and were saying that literally God was saying to Israel, dream as big as you can dream and open wide your mouth and I will fill it. He put no limits on them. He said, what is it that you want? I want to meet that. What is it that you want? I want you to be that. What is it that you desire? I want to meet all things. Oh, man, so good, so good. So I was thinking about this other story. You know, when Pastor Mark was working uh, construction, he was working up in Aspen, and, um, you know, when we were first married, $25 was our weekly grocery budget. $25. Yeah, Mary's too. <laughs> I mean, that's not a lot of money. And so we ate a lot of stuff like uh, beans and weenies, he called it. And... Um, <laughs> 
bologna sandwiches and top ramen and mac and cheese and you know a lot of things like that. I would get one chicken and I would make three meals out of it because we would eat like fried chicken with part of it and then I would stew the chicken and make soup or chicken and dumplings and stuff like that and then we'd have leftovers. So we'd get like three meals out of a chicken. So every week I would buy a chicken but sometimes we would buy a steak. <laughs> I mean it wasn't that often. And so when we had a steak, it was pretty special. I have to take a drink. So it was special when we had a steak. So one day, it was cold up in Aspen where he was working. And, and here it was winter. And so I had made this steak. And you know, I grilled it. We had a hibachi. You know what a hibachi is? Yeah. <laughs> We're bringing back the memories here. <laughs> Hibachi is this little square, you know, beach uh, uh, charcoal grill. So we had a hibachi on our deck, and I'm grilling the steak, and I was going to make smothered steak. So you saute mushrooms with garlic and butter, and you put it on top of the grilled steak, and then you put jack cheese on it, Monterey jack cheese, and you melt it under the broiler, and it's just like, it's good. It's ooey-gooey good. So I was making smothered steak, and he came in from work, and he said, what's for dinner? And I said, we're having smothered steak. Like, I was excited because this was an upgrade from what we typically had. I was excited. And he goes, oh, man, all day I've been thinking about beans and weenies. <laughs> True story. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, do we have any beans and weenies? I'm like, yeah, we do. Do you want that? He goes, you know what, if you wouldn't mind saving that steak, I really do want that. I said, okay, fine. So I made him beans and weenies and I ate smothered steak. <laughs> but I was thinking about that story because God will let us have what we want to have. And if we've got beans and weenies mentality, because I've been thinking about it all day, all day I've been thinking about beans and weenies. Well, then you can have that. What are we thinking about all day? That I have the joy of the Lord and that it's my strength. That I thank you, Lord, for healing my body. Oh, it was done on the cross. I am not sick trying to get well. I am a well person that the devil is attacking. And I thank you, Lord, that my healing is coming to me speedily. I thank you, Father God, that these symptoms have to go because I am a well person. I thank you, Lord, that prosperity is mine, that you take pleasure in prospering me. I'm your servant. I serve you, and I love your righteous cause. I work for you, Lord. You pay all my bills. What are we thinking about all day? If we're thinking about beans and weenies, we're not going to accept the upgrade when it comes. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, here's another thing. Sometimes we are super excited and we will extend our faith and pray for somebody else. But we almost think that for me, I don't deserve that. I don't deserve or I shouldn't say over myself that I'm blessed. Well, I'm sorry. You are. If that's what Jesus made you, and you should say it. And to do anything less is a poverty mentality and it robs God of giving you what he provided for you. 
We need to understand who we are. We are his. And I wouldn't do that to my kids. And God didn't do that to his. Oh, man. (laughs) So, confession and renewing our mind. It's foundational for us. And it really uh, builds our life so that whenever an attack comes, we're prepared and we're ready. Well, why don't you stand with me? It's a good word. God has so much for us. He wants us to be blessed. And it all starts with receiving Jesus. When we receive Jesus, we receive the upgrade to our life. We receive that upgrade. He lifts us out of darkness, out of the pit. He has translated us into the kingdom of the the son of his love when we are born again. And so I want to just give an opportunity to anybody who may not have prayed that prayer of salvation. And we're going to pray it all together. If you're online, pray this prayer with us. If you're here in the room, pray this prayer with us and let our altar care team know that you did pray this prayer with us. And we will together rejoice with you because this is the day that your life is upgraded to the greatest level. (laughs) So let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your son. You can pray with me. Pray, repeat this prayer after me. (laughs) Father, I thank you for your son. I thank you for the gift of new life. And Father, I give up my way. I give up my thoughts. And I take yours. I thank you, Father, for new life. Renewing my spirit. And I thank you for salvation. And I pray, Father, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit and reveal to me who I am called to be in your kingdom. Thank you for saving me today. In Jesus' name, amen. God's good. (laughs) Well, we'll see you tonight. It'll be a great message as well. Say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus Jesus far exceeds exceeds any damage done to me me by Adam's fall. fall. Amen. Amen.